Boston Sports Syndicate. What's going on, everybody? The three amigos are back. This is the latest episode of Above the Parquet. Now, if you're new to the show, first of all, welcome. But the Above the Parquet is the Boston Sports Syndicate's podcast dedicated to the Celtics and anything NBA. And I'm one of the three amigos, Maddie D, a.k.a. Maddie Kiwum, a.k.a. Maddie Hoops. And I got my two boys with me once again. First, let me introduce our head Patriots writer, our head Celtics writer. You can catch him uh, on the Fire the Muskets podcast. Uh, Derek McVeigh, what's going on, dude? How's it going, Matt? It feels good to be talking basketball in September. It's great to be talking basketball. And because we're talking basketball, it's because the Celtics are still playing. So that's great. And, I, you know, we're, it's, just not the two, it's not just two amigos. It's three amigos. And we got the great Blogino. You know, you could catch him writing Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox, anything, any sport under the sun. Chris Henrique, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How you doing tonight? You know, I can't complain. So uh, let's, uh, you know, we, we, we're trying to keep things organized here. We're, we're known to go off the rails at the syndicate. And guess what? We probably still will. But we're going to talk a little bit about round one because it's been a few weeks since we, you've heard from us last. So we're going to talk about round one. We're going to talk about that Eastern Conference semi. And then we'll go ahead and talk about and preview the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's right. The Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals. I believe this is the third year in a row. Am I wrong? Or is it three out of four? Three out of four, yeah. Three out of four. So this isn't uncharted territories for the Brad Stevens Celtics, but it may be the first time that they are probably the odds-on favorite, I'd say. Would you guys agree? Yeah, for sure. To come I out agree of the East, definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, we'll dive into the Eastern Conference Finals uh, momentarily, but let's start with round one. Celtics took on the Philadelphia 76ers, and guess what? 76ers are still not as good as the Celtics because the Celtics made quick work with them, sweeping them away 4-0. Now, I just want to ask you guys real quick just a general question because I want to see where you guys take it. What are your thoughts on the series? Derek, let's start with you. So when one of the first podcasts we did, like back when NBA was getting to restart, I remember you had asked me a, a team that could surprise people, and, and I thought Philly could be one of those teams, and then – the season restarted and they were the same team that they were in the regular season, a bunch of talent that they couldn't put together. Uh, I'm surprised that the Celtics swept them. Um, I thought they'd take care of them in, in maybe five, you know, a gentleman sweep, but I thought Philly would have a, a little more heart and take one game. But I mean, the Celtics, they didn't play their best in probably three of those four games and still did enough to beat them. I think that just kind of showed us where Philly was at as a team. They were, they were the Celtics of last year. That's what they were this year. Exactly. And I mean, like you said, they didn't come out and play their A, a game uh, four games in a row. But I mean, they scored over 100 all four games. And to put up the amount of points that they did, even though they hadn't played their A game, Derek, do you think that was more of the Celtics playing, you know, being that good or the 76ers 
just not really being there. I know you just mentioned that they were la- like they're kind of like comparable to last year's Celtics, but w- w- is it more impressive that the Celtics were able to score that much not having their A game, or is it just the 76ers doing 76ers things? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was a combination of both Philly just being kind of lackluster, but it it shows you what the Celtics are capable of, you know, if they're on their A game. You know, that that second game where they put up, I think it was 128 or 130. I mean, they, that was a game they got off to a terrible start. They were down, you know, 12, 13 points in the first quarter. Then all of a sudden, halfway through the second quarter, they've got a double-digit lead. So it just shows you how, if they're on, you know, how potent their offense can be, um, which we saw, you know, when, and we'll get to in the Toronto series. Yeah, and I mean, they're big too. Tatum and Brown, they were dynamic pretty much every single game. Both averaged over 20 points in that series. They were unstoppable. Uh, you know, Philly didn't have the answer. Granted, they didn't have Ben Simmons, which, you know, it depends on who you talk to. It was a, a big loss. Uh, but, Chris, what are some of your general thoughts on that round one sweep of the Sixers? I mean, I'm not really overly surprised that that happened. Um, I thought overall, you know, Celtics played pretty well. Um, I, I mean, to me, like, I don't know, just the Sixers don't really look like they're a well-coached team. Um, I thought Tatum played really well in that series. Um, I just think overall it was a good matchup for the Celtics to kind of get their, their feet wet, getting back into the swing of things of playing and, you know, leading off in the, in the playoffs. So that was a, the right opponent to kind of get that momentum going. I really wasn't worried about the 76ers, more worried about the Raptors, which, you know, we'll get into in a little while. Um, I, I just, until the 76ers can show that they can, they can beat the Celtics when, when games mean it. That team doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, they still – I mean, you, you mentioned coaching. They immediately let go of their head coach after they got swept. It was you know, Joel, Yeah, oh, I mean, it was – I don't even think the sweat dried from the players before they let him go. So he probably didn't even sit down, you know, for a second before he was let go. And, you know, you had MB talking about – how, you know, he wasn't super thrilled with the franchise, you know, it was interpreted a couple of different ways. Uh, but, it, you know, it's not good. It's not a good look when you get swept out of the first round by, you know, by all intents and purposes, your rival, uh, you know, in today's day and age. And your coach is let go. Your your star player is not happy. And your other star player once was not healthy. Uh, so, you know, it was quick work of the Celtics. There's really not really much to talk about. In this series, I think we kind of covered it all because, you know, we all sat on this podcast and, you know, in the past and mentioned how, you know, even though they could be a threat because they are talented, the 76ers, I don't think any one of us were really that scared, you know, about playing them, especially, you know, given, you know, how they looked when they got into the bubble. Um, But I do want to ask, I do have a couple of quick follow-up questions about the series uh, that I want to hear your guys' opinion do you think that the Sixers having to watch Jason Tatum bloom into the superstar hurts more because they were the ones who got, you know, for lack of a better term, duped by Danny Ainge? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there a day goes by where they, you know, don't um, regret that trade. And Sixers fans just have to watch Tatum and, you know, the guy they drafted, Fultz isn't even on their team anymore. So, I mean, I think that's, that's going to sting for years to come. Oh, certainly. And, you know, it's the whole, you know, it's kind of what we're experiencing in New England now with the whole Belichick-Brady thing, who makes who. I don't know if Tatum would be as good as he is 
if he wasn't under the leadership of, you know, and the guidance of a Brad Stevens in a franchise like the Celtics, um, you know, being surrounded by the talent that he is. But still, it must absolutely stink to see this guy just turning into, you know, one of the league's best players. And he was right there, sitting there for you, you know, at pick three. And, you know, they traded a future first round to move up to get Fultz. And like you said, that guy's not even on the team anymore. And, you know, add insult to injury, he actually looked okay in the bubble for Orlando. So they have no Tatum. They also have no Fultz. And both, you know, look like they could help that team. So that kind of stinks. Now, Chris, I got I want to ask you a quick question. Al Horford, you know, he was the, the, the trainer of the Celtics. He went out and took the money to go play with the, you know, like I said, rival Philadelphia 76ers. And he had his chance to kind of shove it in the Celtics' faces. And he came out in that four games, and he stunk. He stunk up the joint. Chris, do you think he has a little bit of extra regret switching sides? Oh, so as you were saying that, the person that came to mind – was I'm sure you guys saw that picture of Tom Brady sitting on the bench where there's been a bunch of like captions and memes basically saying like, what did I get myself into? I mean, I kind of would think that Hawford's same thing. You opt out, you go ahead, you go to the 76ers. I mean, it's a team that theoretically on paper looks like they're on the come in the division. I mean, in the Eastern conference, they got a lot of really good talented basketball players. They just can't put it together. So, yeah, in theory, made sense to go there, but you went from a well-coached and a well-run organization to Philadelphia. And yeah, Horford now watching the rest of the, the playoffs at home, and yeah, I mean, suits him right. Suits him right. And just to kind of follow up, too, with like the 76ers, I guess my question to be to you guys is, do you think that you've seen the end of the Ben Simmons Joel Embiid era like do you think that they're gonna maybe break that up and try to I don't know trade I would say maybe trade Simmons and, and try to see if you can add more pieces around Embiid like it just doesn't seem like that nucleus is working you know I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the end of it because you know in basketball you have to make the money work and there's all this other kind of hoops you have to jump through so I don't know if it'll be easy to to move one of them but I do think that it'll be It'll be an option. It'll be on the table because, you know, this this experiment of, uh, you know, Embiid and Simmons being the, the main nucleus isn't working. So they brought in good character guys and hard, you know, hard-nosed players and Al Horford and uh, Tobias Harris. That still hasn't gotten the job done. And, you know, they, they fired Brett Brown and they're a very analytical, you know, organization, you know, to, to – to get the players that they have, they traded a whole bunch of picks and, you know, they traded back in the draft and they did all these things. Uh, so, you know, I guess uh, to make a long story uh, even longer, uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, if if I was the GM, I would definitely look to do it. I just I don't see like the downfall in it, to be honest with you. I mean, thinking about like, you know, could you send Ben Simmons to like the Bulls? You know, would Chicago want to make a splash like that, give up some assets to bring in Ben Simmons and, and you know, to me, like I, I don't see that being a downfall for either one of the teams. I don't know. I just I feel like Philadelphia, they feel like they seem like they're in their own minds closer to winning a championship than actually they really are. Oh, yeah. certainly. And you know, to trade a team, trade a player like Ben Simmons, they you know theoretically get a pretty good haul uh, for him. 
you know, it's probably not going to be a complete superstar because, like I said, the money's got to line up, and they paid Tobias Harris a bunch, they paid Embiid a bunch, and they paid Horford a bunch. So I don't know how much wiggle room they'll have uh, necessarily bringing in a superstar, but you bring in some role players, they have to think that their window is closing. I mean, if Embiid leaves or, you know, his health issues reappear, uh, they're not going to be contending. You know, with a, as Tobias Harris is your best player, you're not going to really compete in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, it stinks. As a Celtics fan, it's great. But, you know, if you're a Sixers fan, it stinks because it's just another splash in the face of how far away they are from being, you know, the king of the hill of the East. Yeah, I think I'm with Chris. I think I don't think if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the same team will win a championship. I think Philly's got to move on from one of them and build around the other. Um, I don't know who it makes sense to build around. I mean, Embiid, I think, is the more talented player because he actually can shoot. But big guys, I don't know. It's not that it's not that type of game anymore. And we saw all series long he would come out. Uh, you know, on fire, like a bat out of hell. And then as the game wore on, he got tired and he just wasn't the same player in the fourth quarter. Right. And, you know, just to piggyback on what you guys are saying, to build your team around two non-shooters in a league that is becoming more and more shooter-friendly may not be the uh, the recipe for success. I mean, I honestly think, you know, kind of thinking about it a little bit more, maybe Embiid's the guy to be traded. If you think about you know, to your point, Derek, yeah, it's the big man isn't really that desirable player like it used to be. You know, take a look at just like, like what the Celtics did against the Raptors. You know what I mean? You're having Jalen Brown out there. You have uh, Tatum, Kemba, and then you have a guy like Thies just in the middle. And, you know what I mean? Like he's not a major force. Daniel Tice, rather. He's not like a major force. But yet he had, I mean, he had. A, I thought he had a great series. So you don't necessarily need that, like, big money big man. I mean... And Bede's still a beast. He's still a great player. Certainly. And, you know, Daniel Tice isn't – he's not a force in the traditional sense. Like, he's not a big bruiser down no, he does, low. He's I think not he does a, a little a rim protector. But, yeah, he, yeah, he does. He does the little things. He can rebound, you know, like you know, like a center should. But he can stretch the floor. He's a good passer. And, you know, as we get more into this Raptor series, I mean, that guy can slam an alley-oop. They, they were hitting the alley-oop play on the Raptors all throughout the series. And, you know, he was on the leading end of that a lot of the time. So you don't necessarily need a bruiser down low uh, anymore. Uh, you just need somebody who can kind of facilitate and stretch the floor and, and get your shooters the ball. And, you know, maybe Embiid is the piece you move because you would be able to have uh, – I know Simmons doesn't have that max contract like Embiid does. So if you trade that contract away, theoretically, you can bring in more money to build around. So maybe you – instead of – you know, the one horse that is Embiid, you bring in a couple ponies and you build around Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons and whatever piece you bring in. So I don't know. This isn't a 76ers podcast. So, you <laughs> no, know, I, you, you do what you got to do with the 76ers, but just keep, just know one thing. Celtics got your number and I love it. Do you guys have any last thoughts on the Sixers or that series in general? I think we've exhausted more than enough on the 76ers. <laughs> I think we spend more time on the 76ers in this segment than the Celtics in the series. <laughs> That's true. And you know what? You're welcome, Sixers fans, because <laughs> probably no one's doing a podcast about your bums uh, over there now. But let's dive into to, whew, what a series it was. The Celtics were able to prevail over the Toronto Raptors four games to three. Uh, 
you know, I want to start with, you know, your general thoughts. Chris, why don't you get this series started? You know, I was I was honestly concerned that the Celtics were not going to put the Raptors away. I guess it's that insecureness that Boston fans, I guess, like we still have, you know, because for me, there are times that no matter how good a team might be, whether it's the Pats, Sox, not this year, or, you know, the Celtics, whatever, um, you always still have that little bit of like insecurity about the team. And then you start thinking of like all of their faults and downfall. I really thought that the Celtics after that fluke shot, you know, to win that game, game three, I thought it was really like momentum was going to, was going to shift. And, you know, they just didn't look like they could put them away. And um, I, I was concerned, but at the end of the day, I think we got to see Jason Tatum emerge a little bit more um, as a player. I personally don't want to see Jalen Brown shoot as much as he does because when he's shooting that much, that means that Kemba and Tatum are not having good games or there's an issue with that. Um, But no, I thought overall it was a good series. It was a win that they needed. I I mean, it just huge momentum now with them going to the Eastern conference finals. You know what I mean? Like clearly they're the team to beat. They know it. And, and I, I, I still think that I think they, I think honestly, the Heat beating the Bucks is their Eastern Conference Finals versus them now playing the, the Celtics. Yeah, you know, that's a good point you make. Uh, Derek, you are our head Celtics guy. What are your thoughts on that, you know, pretty big series win over the Toronto Raptors, defending champion Toronto Raptors? Yeah, I mean, Chris, I think Chris hit the nail on the head when he said it was a series win that the Celtics needed, but I think more Brad Stevens needed it. I mean, this is easily the biggest, uh, you know, postseason victory, series victory in Brad Stevens' career. I mean, he's won series before, but never against an opponent this caliber um, in the circumstances that they did. You know, they responded to adversity well, I thought. After they lost game four and the the manner in which they lost it, you know, they had the, the heartbreaker in game three, but then game four, they were just flat the entire game we're never really in it um, and Toronto looked like they had all the all the momentum in the world and then they came out in game five and just blew them out they had another heartbreaking loss in game six and they came out and took care of business in game seven so I think it said a lot about this team and their their resolve um, everyone thought it was going to be a great series going into it and it definitely lived up to the hype it was a lot of great a lot of great games great series uh, I'm just happy that the Celtics came out on top Oh, no question. And, you know, to win that series like they did uh, without Gordon Hayward says a lot about the players that they had. You know, Tatum stepping up, Brown stepping up, Marcus Smart stepping up. You know, we already men- mentioned Daniel Tyson. He he had a you know a really good series. So, you know, I think getting that, sh- you know, that monkey off their backs in terms of getting into the Eastern Conference Finals and getting past the defending champs and, you know, also – overcoming the adversity of losing kind of a fluky game three and then, you know, just getting flat out beat in game four, uh, you know, says a lot about the team, says a lot about the players, says a lot about their toughness. Um, But I I do have to ask you guys, you know, as a Boston fan, uh, you know, you follow Boston sports. I know recently it's not been like this, but when we were younger, uh, Boston sports kind of fell flat in their face, it felt like. So I do have a little residual – negativity sometimes that sprouts out and i can't help but think were the celtics able to take care of business because it was in a bubble would they have had a harder time closing out games if they had to go to toronto because i believe they would have played uh games one and game two in toronto that's right right that's how it would have been yep 
Yeah. So, do you think they would have had? Do you think they still would have prevailed if it was in, in, in normal circumstances? I don't. I, I. I mean, the Celtics haven't shown. They haven't shown us that they can win in Toronto. So, no, not at all. I think that if that if they were playing, they were playing those last two games in Toronto. I, we're not talking about this podcast. Isn't talking about going to the Eastern Conference Finals. This podcast is talking about what could the Celtics have done more to win the series, you know, well, you know, we would have been really critiquing more of the the downfall in the series. I, until the Celtics go there and, and show they can win a big game up there, I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I think uh, you make a good point there, Chris. And had, uh, you know, they lost to the, in, in, against the Raptors, we would have been talking about the Celtics much like we were just talking about the 76ers. You know, what do they do from here? Should they make tweaks? How are they going to go about you know, solving this puzzle, yada, yada, yada. So I am, for one, glad that we are talking about uh, or we're about to preview an Eastern Conference Finals opposed to talking about an early exit. But, you know, one takeaway that I had from this Raptors series was how much I dislike the head coach, Nick Nurse. That guy is a bona fide DeWalt tool bag. I mean, uh, he's one of those. He's like he, he's like a Kenny Lofton type. He's one of those. If he's on your side, I'm sure you probably like him. But if he's not, man, is he easy to hate? That guy is a straight goofball. And what he did in Game Six, we're gonna dive a little bit more into Game Six specifically here, you know, momentarily. But that was cheap. What he did was was a cheap was cheap in my opinion. And his the way he gets animated to the refs and. You see him on the sideline throwing the blocking call, making the traveling movements, and he's just, dude, dude, just give it a rest. Like you don't have to be so lame. And I, you know, I'm not. Um, this isn't a knock on his ability to coach, and obviously he's a pretty good ball coach. I mean, he got he he's he's a defending champ. Uh, but man, watching that series, I think I have a new least favorite coach. I didn't have a least favorite coach before, but now I do. Nick Nurse. Yeah, I um, I'm kind of with you. Like going into that series, I had no issue with him at all, and maybe it's because you know you see him like once or twice a year when the Celtics and Raptors play, two three times a year. But having to put up with him for seven games and every single game, he's you know complaining to the officials even after the game. He's making comments in like his post game pressers about how they took care of Jason Tatum, uh, and it's just like. Give it a rest, man. Like comments like that are just so annoying. Yeah, I mean the thing in Game Six, standing you know near the court was annoying too. But I was more the the constant bitching about the officiating. If anyone follows me on Twitter, you know how I feel about Nick Nurse. Yeah. <laughs> so off of somebody who you know, uh, let's let's put it this way. Let's get off of the tool bag. Let's talk about the Swiss Army knife, Marcus Smart. He was great. I don't know how I can't even count on all my fingers and toes. I yelled at the TV. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Because every time that guy was just gunning, and he was making, and this guy was incredible. He made big play after you know some big plays, and uh, you know if you're a Boston Celtics fan, you know what Marcus Smart brings to the table. He's a hard nosed player, uh, as annoying as he can be. Uh, I get it, but that's basketball now. You don't see hand checking and battles; you see flopping, and that's just kind of the you know the dirt dog of old is not what 
Marcus Smart is. He's the new age dirt dog, which is trying to create fouls and flopping and falling all over the place. But, you know, what are you guys' thoughts on, on Marcus Smart and what he brought to the Toronto Raptors series? I think he's the most consistent player they've had in the playoffs, like throughout the whole thing right now. I, I mean, he's been the one legitimate, clutch, consistent guy on the court. I, I wanted, I can't tell you how many times, you know, you could have maybe tweeted just about Marcus Smart and some of the plays that he made. Uh, to me personally, I really thought he was—he's been the most consistent player. Derek, what, were you, what are your thoughts of uh, you know Marcus Smart in the Eastern Conference semis? Yes, I could do an entire podcast on Marcus Smart as an as an eternal Marcus Smart loyalist. That that series was just great vindication. Um, he was an, incredible. I mean, clutch play after clutch play. Won them game two with that incredible, you know, three-point shooting in the fourth quarter where he just was unconscious and hit like five or six in a row. Um, and then in game seven, obviously that block at the end on Norman Powell was incredible. One one of the best blocks I've ever seen. Uh, maybe second to only LeBron James chase down block in the NBA Finals, but that's it's a separate discussion. Um, but even like earlier in the game, the Celtics were kind of lethargic. They're trailing in the second quarter. Smart gets a steal. Fast break, alley-oop, Jason Tatum. A couple plays later, he beats, um, I think it was Powell and Kyle Lowry. He ran right through the the two of them for a loose ball, got an easy layup. Like, it's those type of energy plays that Marcus Smart brings to the table, kind of changes the mo- momentum of the game. And, yeah, Chris said he's been the most consistent player. I mean, he he was their best player um, in the, you know, in that series against Toronto. Yeah, and he did, I mean, the things that he brings to the table and what he could provide on the floor is, you know, it's, it's invaluable really. Cause he's gonna, he, he can hit the, he can hit shots and he can, you know, make scoring plays, but you know, taking the charge underneath and playing defense when no one wants to play defense and just giving effort, you know, you see that time and time again, tire out the other team. And when someone got hot, didn't matter if he was, you know, if it was Kyle Lowry, Sia- who not Siakam, cause he didn't get hot throughout any of the games. Uh, but you know, whoever it was that had the hot hand, you see Marcus Smart immediately, you know, wave off his defender. He's going to take him. He's going to do what he can to wear that guy out. And, you know, what he did has done for the Celtics team is it's tremendous. It's It's been great to, to, to watch. And it, it brings up the question. And it's not apples for apples. It's certainly not orange for orange. But is Marcus Smart this team's Dennis Rodman or Draymond Green? Yeah, I mean, I think he fills that that role for sure. That type of guy that you need on a championship, you know, winning team that's gonna do all those little things and, you know, in normal circumstances get the crowd energized. Obviously, that's not a thing now, but yeah, you need a guy like Marcus Smart on your team, um, you know, to fill that role if you want to win a championship. I would probably say, I mean, I was three years old in 1986, but. And when they when the Celtics Dennis Johnson, but like I kind of would put him as more of a comp to to him. You know what I mean? Just Johnson was you know just from a defensive side, he was uh, you know he was uh, clutch shots. That's to me what Marcus Smart has been. And I think also Marcus Smart has benefited from the fact that Hayward has been out. If Hayward wasn't hurt, would Smart be playing? Would I mean I'm not saying playing, but like would he have started? You know, I think Gordon Hayward would probably be the starter in the, in the series, and 
you know, he would have to have worked his way into the starting lineup. So, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think, yeah, Marcus Smart, he just, he has this edge about him. And I, I think that for a while for me, when he first came in the league, like he was like the Jackie Bradley Jr. of baseball to me. I just was not a Marcus Smart fan. And I'm going to tell you, like, I've changed my tune on this guy. He just brings a whole different energy to that team. Yeah, and I think some sometimes what people may forget is he is a top five pick, right? He was or a six pick. He was a top ten pick. So I mean, this guy had talent coming out of Oklahoma State, and you know, he brought more than just hustle. You know, he's t- it's taken some time to develop uh, into the player that he is now. But I mean, it, his ability to shoot with such confidence, even after missing maybe two in a row. It's it's sometimes you just need that. You need to have a guy who's just ice in his veins, gonna do whatever you need, you know, whatever the team needs to 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 get things going and to create that spark. And you know, Marcus Smart has been absolutely dynamic and, and, and I love seeing it. Yeah, I mean he's he's a guy that's not afraid of the moment. You know, he could he's a guy that could miss his first ten shots and then three minutes left in the fourth quarter of a of a tight game is gonna be the first one that he makes. Uh, you know, coming into the league, Chris, I mean, you you mentioned that you've come around on him. I mean, it's legitimate. I mean, he was the epitome of the the no, no, no shot. Like he he had terrible shot selection in his first in the league. He was on the team to for his defense and his, you know, and his hustle and his offense has slowly come around and he continues to improve. And now his three point shooting, it, it's it's an asset for this team. Um, so he's, his offense has improved a lot and he's kind of reminds me a little bit of like Avery Bradley's career arc when he, you know, was drafted by the Celtics. Cause Bradley came in as a defensive specialist, couldn't really shoot. Most of his baskets were on like cuts and, and layups or dunks, but he slowly improved his jump shot and became a, you know, a legitimate offensive threat. And that's kind of what smarts done. Oh, no question. And, you know, to keep talking about Marcus smart, cause He's he was great, so we he deserves all of our attention. Uh, that you know you mentioned the LeBron James block, that block the block that he had on Powell was great because it just you don't expect someone he's not super tall so and he's not super lengthy so you don't expect him to just be able to come off and explode and just smash the ball before it goes up and when he did that that I mean it, it basically locked up that game seven for them and you know he's already racking up all these. Uh, you know, these moments where without him, you know, we're not talking about them being in Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, that's, that's just awesome for Marcus Martin. I'm happy for him and I'm, you know, all the hard work I'm sure he's put in is certainly paying off. Uh, from one player on the Celtics, I got to talk about one player on the Raptors, Siakam. He was, he got the max contract. Uh, he was absolutely dynamic last year in their championship run, but he was basically non-existent in this series do you think that is kudos for the celtics for shutting him down or did he choke or is he just not as good as you know the nba has built him to be i think jalen brown deserves a ton of credit for the way he defended him i mean siakam he's he's i definitely don't think he's a max player but i mean a lot of guys in the nba get overpaid that's just the nature of the business I don't think he's as bad as the Celtics made him look this series. I just think Jalen Brown had his number, and Siakam just couldn't get in any type of rhythm. And that it was more on the Celtics causing his struggles than Siakam's lack of talent. Because, I mean, he had 
a really good regular season, too. Um, I think it's just Jalen Brown's a bad matchup for him. Certainly. I, I you know, I, I agree with that. Jalen Brown, he, he, he stuck it to him. And, you know, somebody like Siakam, I don't know if he's necessarily used to, you know, getting punched in the mouth kind of like that, figuratively speaking. But, you know, Jalen Brown was not afraid of the assignment, and he just attacked him. And even when Siakam had open shots, and he just – I don't know if it was, you know, Brown or the Celtics were in his head, but the guy was just a non-factor. And that's just, you know, kudos to Brad Stevens and his team for shutting down which is, who was billed to be, you know, the defending champs' best player now that Kawhi Leonard is out west. Uh, so – We've talked about the series. It was a good series. We talked about the buzz beat a little bit here. I want to talk about game six because game six was, you know, epic for some reasons. It was frustrating for some reasons. Uh, you know, Chris, what were, what are some of your general thoughts on, on game six? Uh, I mean, it was part of the reason that I kind of felt that they maybe had the inability to put in this team away. Um, it was a great game. You know what I mean? I just kind of felt – the more that you kind of let the Raptors kind of linger around, Kyle Lowry, he would just he looked so solid, looked so strong, like he just wasn't afraid to take any shot. Um, he, you know, he just was he just literally took over the, the I mean that overtime and just that that game in general. So, um, I I think that the Celtics had they just done they done their job and they you know we could have avoided that game seven, but I, I just thought. Kyle Lowry, he was he was just I don't know, he was solid in that game. Yeah, Kyle Lowry took that team and put him on his back. The guy was hitting shots that I didn't know he was capable of. He was making every stop. He was picking the pockets of guy of of Kemba Walker. Anyone going to the hole, you know, they had to go through him. He was unbelievable. So I you know, I someone asked on Twitter, you know, why did the Celtics lose? You know, expecting most Celtics fans and most Celtics uh, you know, spectators to to mention the refs and you know my yeah, first thought was was Kyle Lowry like you said Chris he was the reason why they lost that game but well, I, the refs were well, terrible you guys have to admit that the refs were bad in that game well see I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that because that's just like that's what Celtics and green teamers do the second that anything just doesn't go their way it's let's blame the referees yeah it was that was the refereeing suspect sure but the referees aren't taking and jacking up threes you know what I mean like you know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to put it solely on the officials. Um, I would like to say, though, that besides Kyle Lowry, I thought Norman Powell, I thought that he had a really, really good game. And I think he was one of the reasons why that Lowry was able to have the game that he did. I, I you know, I just thought that his defense, I thought he, had, he played a great defense, um, kind of felt like he played beyond like being like almost like a wild card. Um and, you know, I just he, he scored he scored points. I think he was just a bigger element to get them to the point where Kyle Lowry could take over that overtime. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that they definitely didn't lose the game because of the reps. Uh, but I do think let me know if this doesn't make sense, because I, ha, I am prone to saying things that don't make any sense. Uh, the, the, the reps were not the reason that they lost. But I do think that they were a big part of why they didn't win. Does that make sense? That Kyle does. Lowry beat them, and they made mistakes down the stretch. Uh, but the refs absolutely had a hand in them not finishing and winning the game. Uh, and and 
One thing that drives me crazy about the NBA is their willingness to admit when they were wrong. Why add gas to the fire? Why would they admit that Kemba Walker was fouled with 2.2 seconds left? And that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, everyone at home knew that he was fouled, but if you don't come out and admit that you were wrong, it's just a bunch of fans kind of making noise. It's not real. But once they come out and say that the ref screwed it up, now it's real. Now people have something to gravitate towards. And I just thought it was kind of, it was just, I just think that's dumb when the, when the NBA does that because it soils, you know, what was a really fun game to watch. Regardless if the outcome what didn't fall in, you know, uh, you know Celtics fans' favor, it was still a great and fun and entertaining game to watch. But I think that kind of wraps up our thoughts on Game 6 specifically. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on certain players or moments or anything in that Raptors series before we move on to the Eastern Conference preview? Yeah, I just want to – yeah, I think you mentioned it on the agenda too. I just want to give give the bench a shout-out because I thought they were solid. Like they weren't anything spectacular. But all season long, you know, we watching the Celtics, their Achilles heel was, well, their bench is going to hold them back. Their, their bench is going to prevent them from winning a championship. And you know what? Maybe as we get further along in, in the postseason, maybe that's the case. But, I mean – Wanamaker, Wanamaker and Ojale were fine. Like, they were hot and cold in that series. I thought Robert Williams gave him great minutes. And I thought Grant Williams gave him great minutes. And for a guy like Grant Williams to come in in Game 7 of that series, didn't play the first three quarters, comes in in the fourth quarter of a close game in Game 7 and makes some key plays, had a couple offensive rebounds, had some nice defensive stops, I think they got they got what they needed out of that bench in that series. You know, I'm glad you brought up Grant Williams because he actually stuck out to me in game six as well. He was hitting those corner threes, which I didn't know he had in the bag. I had no idea he was capable of that. But he came out and was just, you know, automatic. He just drained those shots. And he does provide a little bit of hustle, uh, I think, that they need from their bench. Um, kind of reminds me of a – of a um, why can't I think of his name? Powell. What was his first name? Norman Poe from Toronto? No, no, uh, from the Celtics in their in their championship oh, run. Oh, Leon Poe? Leon Poe, yes. Kind of reminds me, he's a little undersized, but, you know, he's not afraid to get underneath. He's not afraid to, to box out. He's not afraid to go, you know, do do things to uh, make his size kind of a little more irrelevant to the game. So I thought Grant Williams, you know, was pretty good for them. And overall, I got to say, you know, I, I wrote this in the agenda because I wanted to bring up, I didn't really notice their bench per se, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I think when you're, you you got stars like Tatum and Brown and, and Hayward and Walker and you got, you know, really good contributors like Marcus Smart and, and Daniel Tice, you don't need the, the bench to take over. You need the bench to not relinquish the lead. And the fact that, you know, the series came and gone, came and went, they played all all seven, and I never once thought, like, this, the bench is losing it for them was a great sign going forward. Chris, do you have any last-minute thoughts on the Celtics, Brad Stevens, the Raptors, Nick Nurse being a tool, uh, anything about this Eastern Conference semifinal matchup? Yeah, I was I was impressed with Grant Williams. I thought um, I thought he was a key off the bench. I I mean, again, the uh, the nervousness inside of me when he missed those two free throws, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. But um, but no, I, I thought he was. I thought he was a big reason that um, 
they won that, you know, winner go home game, you know, in that last like, you know, seven minutes. So uh, besides, besides Williams, yeah, I want to touch upon nurse. Um, I'm kind of happy that Brad Stevens didn't kind of stoop to his level because there was some, you know, he was, Stevens got criticized for not showing a little more emotion after, you know, some of the games in the series and people are commenting on, well, what if he just acted a little more like Nick nurse, I'm happy that he didn't because one, that's not Steven's style Two, you have a young basketball team that again, struggling to put this team away. You don't need to give them any other reason to start playing erratically because they start seeing their coach act differently. I think it opens the door for that team. And I think we have a different end result. So I'm happy that Steven's kind of still, you know, kept his demeanor and just, he, he, coached his style of basketball and didn't stoop to the level of a Nick nurse where he was, you know, in the corner behind Tatum and and, and complaining about the referees and just acting a fool on the sidelines. That's why that, that, that's that, that, I don't know. Like I'm all set with Nick nurse. The, the seven games I saw at him, I'm, I'm good with him. Chris, that's a fantastic point you bring up because the demeanor of the coach actually you saw that through Jason Tatum. He never once accused him for any type of, uh, you know, uh, Bush League type, you know, whatever you want to call it when he was in the corner, clearly trying to get Tatum to throw him the ball. Uh, and he never said boo about that. His comments was, it was on me. I made a bad pass. I have to be more aware. And, and I don't think that happens if Jason Tatum doesn't have Brad Stevens you know, calm, cool, collected like he is. So I think that's a, you know, a great point that you bring up and, and seeing the comparison between nurse and Stevens, you know, call me a green teamer, call me a Celtics Bobo. I don't care. I would take Brad Stevens seven times a week over Nick nurse and 85 times on Sunday. Cause Nick nurse, Nick nurse, like I said, is a world-class DeWalt tool bag. Okay. So that's that Celtics beat the 76ers Celtics beat the Raptors which leads us to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee, wait, no, not the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat. Now, when we did this podcast a few months ago, talking about the, you know, the return and the bubble and the, you know, playoffs that were right around the corner, did anyone see the Heat being the Celtics' opponent in the Eastern Conference Finals? Not a chance. Nope. Now, do you think some, you know, I wrote in the notes, are you afraid of Jimmy Butler that, that you're not necessarily afraid of him per se, but the persona that he brings to that team, that hard nose, we don't care, you know, we weren't supposed to be here, but we are mentality. You know, what about this Heat team, you know, gives you a little bit of caution or maybe keeps you up at night? Whoever wants to take it. This is a jump ball. I'm the referee hoisting the ball up. You guys jump for it. Whoever wants it, kick it off. Derek, I'm short. You win the tip-off. <laughs> I was going to say, we're on the same team. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the the biggest thing that worries me about this Heat team is their ability to shoot. I mean, they're the second-best three-point shooting team in the uh, in the league in the regular season, um, just under 38%. They shoot like 36 or 37 threes a game, so get ready. You thought the last series between Toronto and the Celtics had a lot of threes? Get ready for this one. Um but they've got a ton of knockdown shooters with, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Dragic can shoot, Jay Crowder can shoot, um, you know, Olenek off the bench, Iguodala. I mean, they have a ton of three-point shooting. 
And the one game the Celtics played against Miami in the bubble, they had trouble defending the three, and that's why Miami beat them. So if the Celtics defend like they did against Toronto, I think they'll have no problem with Miami because, I mean, they suffocated Toronto's offense. But if they let their guard down and let Miami, you know, bombs away, it could be a long series. The Heat are a well-coached team, so I think that's that's going to be one thing. You know, you're not going to have the theatrics that we saw with the Raptors out of Eric Spolstra on the sidelines. Um, so, you know, the Heat have that. They have, they Plus they have, you know, when you get Pat Riley, you know, run, running things as well. So you have a great basketball mind there, and then they got a really good head coach. Um, I, I I think, the like, there's – they made – getting Iguodala – during you know with the and getting Jay Crowder were two pieces that this team will help this team win and potentially win this series and being able to say like getting those players and then having almost like this the lead up getting back into the bubble where they can kind of practice with the team versus being traded to the teams and then you got to kind of like figure it out when you get traded I think allows them to kind of gel and mesh those guys and I think you know Iguodala all he does is win I mean he literally is everywhere this dude goes, he wins. So having him, and then you put him with the rest of the speed team, to Derek's point, they're going to shoot a ton of threes at this well-coached team. I think it's going to be a good challenge. They, they're a good team. This, this is a good team, and I hope that people don't take them lightly and just, ah, it's the heat, you know what I mean, and just say they got, you know, bright, shiny uniforms and all this. Like, they're, they are a really, really good team, and, and yeah, and to your point, the C's give up threes. So, you know, this is going to be a tough series. So, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't help but be a little nervous with a team who can shoot the three as well as the Heat do and how frequent they, uh, you know, they, they do shoot the three. And some of their players can just get absolutely white hot from, the, from beyond the arc. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge for the Celtics. But one thing I am uh, excited to watch is I feel like, these are two basketball teams. This isn't a team. These aren't teams that were, you know, built around a superstar and no one else. These are well-constructed teams that are both, you know, very, very well coached. And it's going to be exciting to see how, you know, the coaches do the X's and O's and the players execute it. So this, I think the Celtics are in for a really hard fought battle. Um, so I, I can't lie though. When the when LeBron James went down to the Heat and they hired Eric Spoelstra, I thought that guy stunk as a coach. I ain't gonna lie, I thought he was just a puppet that Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James, you know, kind of just went as as they said. But this guy has become one of the best coaches in the league, and you know, Pat Riley did. That guy is a basketball genius. Bringing in Eric Spoelstra and what he's been able to do is incredible. So you know, you got maybe the two best coaches. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, facing off with two of the toughest teams. I am super excited. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but we're recording uh, Monday night uh, around 8 o'clock. So we are getting ready for Game 1 tomorrow night, Tuesday at 6.30 uh, Eastern Time. So I'm, I'm real excited about that. Uh, today, actually, a quote came out from Kemba Walker. It said, it's going to be a war. Do you guys agree with that? It sounds like you may agree with that. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, and for all the the reasons you just said, Spolstra's a great coach, but Pat Riley. I mean, it starts with Pat Riley at the the top. They are gonna be in your face, you know, hard nose. There's gonna be it's gonna be a very chippy series. If you guys remember, 
you know, a few years ago when they played when the Celtics played the Wizards, you know, the with IT and um, and Olenek and Crowder and you know John Wall and Bradley Beal and Kelly Oubre. There was a lot of chippiness in that series. I think Marcus uh, Markeith Morris was on the Wizards at that time. Uh, I think you're going to see some some tempers flaring and some emotions running high in this series. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of Kemba Walker, he didn't really perform all that well in the Eastern Conference semis. Are you guys at all worried about Kemba Walker coming into the Eastern Conference Finals? Not right now, but I, I think that if he starts off this series the first you know one or two games and he's kind of a non-factor, then then yeah, I'm going to be worried. Um, I, I mean, how can he not be? I mean, he's a key contributor. They kind of... I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think it's injury related the way that he just played. I just don't think he had a good series and hopefully he just gets it past him and comes out and, you know, and he can be a factor. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I don't necessarily think it's injury related. I think may, it could be rust related because he, you know, they manage his minutes and, uh, you know, in their eight game stretch into the, in the bubble. Uh, and, but it just, it just, especially in game six, he just wasn't able to get things going, but Brad Stevens had all the confidence in the world in him because they kept going back to him and were, you know, trying to get him going and trying to uh, let him take over the fourth quarter and the overtimes. So I'm hoping he can get things going, but he's going to have a tough test. Goran Drakic is as professional basketball player as you're going to find, you know, he's not going to make it easy for him. He's Goran Drakic is a good player. And, you know, Kemba Walker is going to have his hands full, both, you know, trying to score and also trying to play some defense because, you know, we've all kind of stated it already. Their defense is going to have to be paramount here to to stop this, you know, this well-shooting Miami Heat team. Okay, we broke it down a little bit, but the people at home, they're sitting here. They're like, guys, I love the Boston Sports Syndicate. Above the parquet, you guys are fantastic, but I tuned in for your predictions. So, Derek, what are your predictions of the Eastern Conference Final against the Miami Heat? Yeah, Celtics and six. I think at the end of the day, talent talent wins in this league. Um, and the Celtics, top to bottom, have more individual talent on uh, you know on this roster. And it's not like last year where they have more talent and they don't know how to play together. They have more talent and they know how to play. They have great chemistry, and I think that'll ultimately um, you know lead them to the the finals. So. If Jalen Brown can be the player that he was in the three games that Miami and the Celtics played during the regular season, he scored 74 points in those three games, 31 and 25, and two wins the Celtics had. I think that him going up against Jay Crowder is a huge win for the Celtics. I don't think that Crowder is going to be able to stay with Jalen Brown, and I know I just said that if Jalen Brown in the in that Raptors series, if Jalen Brown is taking too many shots, and that means that Jay Tatum and and Kemba Kemba aren't you know playing well, I think in this case here, the matchup between Crowder and Tatum favors the Celtics immensely. Um, I just think that at the end of the day, to Derek's point, the Celtics have more talent. Celtics win the series in six games. So I agree with you guys. I have the Celtics winning the series, uh, but I do think it will go seven. Uh, I just think that 
from what I learned in the Raptors series is any game can be stolen on a fluke three with less than a second on the clock. And I just, the way the Heat are playing, they feel like they can, they can make it to the final and, and win the whole thing. And when you have a guy, a, a team that's led by a player that's as mentally strong as, you know, Jimmy Buckets, uh, I just think it's going to be tough to put them away. Um, and I think it's going to go seven. But, you know, due to the Celtics being better talent-wise, you know, just as well coached, and one X factor, uh, in, you know, I give to the Celtics is the Heat have been straight up punching their opponents. I mean, they are coming out playing tough, getting in their heads, you know what they did to the Bucks. I mean, they completely made that team fold. Uh, but you're not going to be able to do that to this Boston Celtics team. You're just not going to be able to push them around. You're not going to be able to intimidate them. And every punch that the Miami Heat throw, I think the Celtics have a counter, and that's why I think ultimately they win the series four games to three. Do you guys? I want to hear what both of you think. Do you guys think we'll see Gordon Hayward in this series? Definitely. I don't yeah. know when, but I think he, he's coming back, definitely. It seems yeah. like it, right? He, uh, he he didn't participate in their practice today, but he did do some, from what I've heard, intense drills after. So it sounds like he's revving up his workload uh, to play in this series. And, you know, he is dealing with, not dealing with, and this isn't a dealing with situation. He is blessed to be having a child soon. Uh, but from what his wife tweeted recently, it was like, We'll see you soon, and when you get back, you'll be able to hold your baby. So it sounds like she's given him the okay to stay in the bubble. He's okay with staying in the bubble, and he wants to be part of this Eastern Conference team uh, uh, and get him to the finals. So, you know, having him around is not going to be a bad thing. That's for sure. He's a great player. Oh, great might be. He's a good, he's a really, really good player. Uh, so I, I think they'd be, you know, they'd be super happy to see him come back. Uh, now, before we move on, just a couple last you know, little topics around the NBA that we are, uh, are going to hop into. Do you guys have any last-minute thoughts on the Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat, uh, anything that has, you know, pertaining to this upcoming seven-game series? No, just beat the Heat. It's going to be another good one. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting some fireworks, some hard-nosed football. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so we've talked about round one the semis, the Eastern Conference Finals. You have some teams out on the West, well, not out on the West Coast because they're also in Orlando, but the Western Conference is, you know, still playing out. You have the Nuggets uh, about to play the Clippers in a Game 7. I think the Lakers have already moved on to the Eastern, uh, the Western Conference Finals. Uh, so I want to get your guys' opinions or your predictions, if you will. If the Celtics, we all have the Celtics winning, who will they be playing in the Eastern Conference? Oh, not Eastern Conference. The NBA Finals. I think it's the Lakers. I just, I, after watching the Clippers blow these last two games against Denver, I just don't think they have the, the focus to to get it done. And I just think if you are, if you're not a hundred percent locked in against LeBron James, forget it. You got no chance. So I, I think the clip, I think that game or that series could go the distance. But I just think LeBron, um, LeBron will be too much. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you in regards to it's Celtics Lakers is is everything that the NBA would love to have coming in this just so like weird, just the way this whole season has been to kind of just end it and cap it off with you know two premier 
you know, franchises in the sport. I mean, Celtics, Lakers, don't care if it is a shortened season, don't care if it's an epidemic, whatever's going on. I mean, that that's big money. That's big ratings. I, I just think that the, I I would love to see the Celtics beat the Lakers. I think, the, I think LeBron, you got to I don't know how you can, can contain him, but I think it's I think it's got to be Celtics Lakers. Yeah, I, I would have to say that the most intriguing, the, 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 the series that would get everyone to watch, the series that would keep you up at night would be Lakers, Celtics. I mean, it, even in our lifetimes, we've seen that we've seen two Celtics Lakers finals and it's tied one one. So it would be a great little rubber match here, uh, you know, in the in the more modern Celtics iteration here to to see who's the better franchise. It's it's LeBron versus the Celtics. It's, you know, the, the just, build around superstars versus the, the team. That is your heavyweight bout. That is absolutely what everyone wants to see. But that is not my that's not who I think they'll play. I think the Celtics will be playing the Denver Nuggets in the finals. Oh. Now, Matt, oh. by the time you listen to this, they might be eliminated by the Clippers, and I might be just dead wrong. But one thing I am noticing about this bubble playoff is, you know, the teams, the great basketball teams are prevailing, and the Nuggets have a great team. They don't have necessarily that superstar like LeBron. They don't even have that secondary piece like AD. But, man, they are loaded, and they are showing fight, and they – we're down 3-0, and now they're in Game 7. And if they beat the Clippers and get that momentum, I think they will put up and they will absolute, and they will upset the Lakers. And I think you'll see a Denver Celtics final. And you know what? Team builders galore because they those are two teams truly built from the ground up. They didn't have to lure uh, you know, big money free agents to build around. They were able to bring in free agents that they, you know, they acclimated with people that they drafted and developed. So... I just think that now in this bubble, more than ever, you're seeing, you know, the best basketball teams win, and I think the Nuggets have a a really, really good team. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, I just I don't see the Nuggets beating. Well, the whatever, Chris. Whatever, dude. I just think about though, like think <laughs> oh, about whatever. This, Chris. Were you there a is, Lakers fan? No, but there are so many storylines between a Celtics and Lakers, uh, you know, NBA final. One, you just like you like you hit it on the head. You'd have basically the rubber match of that. You have can the Celtics finally beat LeBron? Will we see Jason Tatum emerge from the player that he is to an absolute superstar and solidify being a superstar at 22 years old on the biggest stage in the sport? You have the Kobe Bryant factor. Will the Lakers win a championship for you know for Kobe after he passed away this year? There are just so many storylines that the NBA. And the media will just just swoop right up. It's just like it's like stars are aligning for these dollar signs, and it's just it's what it's just what we need. I just it's win or lose. I want to see Celtics Lakers. No, I mean you're you're completely right. That would be it would I think it would probably be the biggest uh, most hyped NBA Finals you know of the last twenty years. Uh, just the fact, all the storylines that you just brought up. And on top of that, I mean, Kobe was Tatum's mentor. So, you know, he wants to beat the old team and, you know, he wants to be dubbed the new, you know, guy who's built out of that Kobe killer mode. And I just think that, you know, this, that, that would be incredible. It, it, it would be awesome to see Lakers Celtics in the NBA finals in, in LeBron versus Celtics again. I mean, 
Yeah, that is definitely what you want to see. I think I literally just came up with, like, what, five different articles just if they can get <laughs> to the NBA Finals right there. Did you write those down, Derek? You are our head Celtics writer. Yeah, I'll get those get those going. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's going to happen. Celtics-Lakers. Yeah, uh, it, that would be great. Uh, I, I don't really have much uh, else I want to add. Do you guys have anything else you wanna you wanna add? Do you wanna take us down a a new path? What do you guys want? Do you guys have anything left to talk about? I'm just excited. I, I'm looking forward to the Eastern Conference Finals. I you know I haven't really. Uh, it just it, with it's been nice to have all the sports back. It's been it's just it's been different. You know it's been a lost season for baseball. It's luckily we've had the Celtics who have. You know, from just for us having a Boston team still being around and relevant, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm really really looking forward to the series, and I just hope that every game is just you know exactly kind of like if it's like the Raptors series, it's going to be I think it's going to be great basketball and it's going to be entertaining for us, and maybe I'll put a couple of bucks down on a game. Who knows? Derek, do you have anything else that you want to? you know, put out there or add that, you know, maybe we haven't touched on yet? No, I mean, my only final thought is I think with this series, I would be stunned if if any game ends in like a blowout. I think every single game is going to be competitive in the fourth quarter, and it's going to make for a, a stressful but a fun series to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the Heat are too tough. The Celtics are too tough. You know, this series is just going to be a drag them out barn burner brawl, and, you know, I'm excited for it. Uh, and I will say, though, throughout this bubble, Jimmy Butler, I like Jimmy Butler, but I am beginning to really, really like Jimmy Butler. Did you guys hear what he uh, – he they asked him a quote. They asked him uh, why he hadn't invited someone down to the bubble. Did you hear his answer? I did not. He said – he goes, it's a business trip. And I just – in, in, in a day and age where, you know, it seems like people aren't as tough – and as rigid as they were in days past, Jimmy Butler is that throwback, that tough guy that, you know, he doesn't care and he, he cares about only winning, really. So maybe he does care just about that one thing, the winning. And I love that about him, uh, you know, that the story that circulated uh, when he was in Minnesota, that he challenged the starters with all the backups, absolutely demolished the starters, looked up at the general manager and said, like, what now, basically? basically pulled a gladiator type thing. And that's just, I mean, that's just, you don't hear about, you know, kind of badass stuff like that as much as you used to. And it's just cool to see. And, uh, you know, I, I like him, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to be sad when he's playing golf in a few weeks because the Celtics pass and go on to the NBA finals. All right. So I guess that is everything that we have for you. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of the Celtics, if you're a fan of the Heat, if you're just a basketball fan in general, I think you are going to be in for, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of fireworks, uh, so enjoy the series that starts tomorrow, Tuesday night at 6.30. And, you know, every game should be, you know, a lot of fun and should be very, very competitive. Uh, but if you want to check us out or anything that we do at the Syndicate, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we post articles um, on our website at bostonsportsyndicate.com. Uh, you can check out Derek's work, Chris's work, Bill's work, uh, 
Ryan is starting to do some fantasy stuff. So anything you you want when it comes to Boston sports and more, come down to, to the Boston Sports Syndicate and check us out. Uh, I don't believe we have any uh, ads because we had SeatGeek. But again, uh, unless you're on a screen in Orlando, you're not at the game. Uh, so you can't really you know buy tickets. So that stinks. But whatever. And uh, make sure that if you're on the website checking out all of our articles – Make sure to buy merch. You know, we got some great merch. We have masks that you have to wear above your nose. Do not put it below your nose. Keep it above <laughs> your nose. We got shirts. We got hats. Uh, you know, we got some. We got a ton of great merch. Rep all the different Boston sports team colors. Uh, rep the Boston sports syndicate because you ain't cool unless you rep the syndicate. So, you know, for Matt, for Chris, for Derek, have a great night, guys. Peace. See ya. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM.